Hello, today I'm here speaking with Karen Ramsey. Hello, Karen, how are you today? Hi, Kate, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for taking time out to speak with me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for interviewing me. We did actually do one, didn't we? We think at the beginning of the year, maybe like around March time, but unfortunately my recording equipment didn't work, so this is our second take. Yes, and the first time was wonderful, and hopefully this time will be just as great. Yes. So we were just talking about a friend, Stephen. Stephen introduced us, but I was familiar with your work. Um, you've been very prominent in the raw food movement for quite a long time. Do you want to share with us your your history in the in the raw food movement? Okay. I mean, actually, my history started before I even existed. <laughs> um, my father and my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, were both into raw food before it was even called raw food. Yeah, my, um, my grandmother in 1921 had severe asthma and emphysema. And um, she was hospitalized and they gave her whatever drugs they had at that time and they weren't helpful, and she got worse, and they told her they expected that um, the emphysema was so severe, they said that she only had a few months to live, and uh, she was quite scared because she was a single mom, and my dad was only four years old, and she didn't have any relatives nearby, and she was quite scared. She was willing to do anything that anybody recommended to her, even if it was different than the norm of following the medical route, which she had already tried, and somebody gave her a book called The Mucusless Diet Healing System, yeah. which I see smiling, you know of that book, um, by, written by a German professor named Arnold Erich. Um, that book was brought to her while she was still in the hospital, and she read the book, and she had never read anything like that before, and she said, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to do this, and she moved to a plant diet rather quickly, um, and then she started adding more and more uncooked foods, and uh, she never went completely to a raw food diet, but very high yeah. in fresh, fresh foods, fresh produce. And um, she completely healed from asthma and emphysema. And um, shocked the doctors years ago. She was not only alive, but was quite healthy. Yeah. And so I grew up with that. My family and my grandmother, when I was about 10 to 12 years old, my grandmother was living with us. And she would always tell me her healing story. And um, my mother had tried initially to raise my sister and I as vegetarian, but she only tried for about a month. And then she got talked out of it because, um, especially from the family doctor, because they felt that we needed more protein, which is the usual question that I get is about the protein. And uh, so she raised us on a standard American diet. And then my sister and I were pretty much sick on and off throughout our childhoods. I would seem like I was always on maintenance antibiotics growing up, and my father and my grandmother were, were very, very upset about that. And I still remember growing up with all of that conflict in my house, yeah. you know, different ways of eating. Yeah, but my grandmother had completely healed, and I always had it in my, in my mind even if I wasn't doing it, even if I was raised differently, I had it in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I had cystic acne starting when I was an adolescent all over my face and my back. And I used to go to dermatologists who used to give me hydrocortisone shots in my face. And I would ask them, does this have anything to do with the food I'm eating? My father and my grandmother tell me it does. And um, the doctors used to always say it has nothing to do with what you're eating. You can continue to eat cheese that you love because I loved cheddar cheese and I would eat it, you know, a lot every day and other things that weren't healthy, both in the 
animal foods and processed foods. And I know now that that was harming my skin and my digestion, which was really bad. And it wasn't until later, I was about 17, when I decided to become a vegetarian. And that was because I saw my father and my grandmother carrying every little insect outside in a tissue. They wouldn't kill anything. Whereas I saw my mother swatting all of the little tiny creatures with a fly swatter. And I really loved that what's really called ahimsa, Uh that belief in the sacred nature of all creatures. And that's what my father and my grandmother had. And that brought me to being a vegetarian. But I was a junk food vegetarian for many years. And I still was eating a lot of dairy. And um, there were points when I went to grad school, I think there was a time when I even thought I might be having like heart pains. Um, I think it was like angina pains from all the dairy I was eating. Um, And then it wasn't until my second child was born that I really made major changes in my diet and lifestyle. Um, And that was um, the first three years of his life. I tried not to change my diet. I had already thought that I changed my diet so much by becoming a vegetarian. And then at a certain point, I did give up dairy. And my skin cleared up. (laughs) When I gave up dairy, all of a sudden... My skin cleared up. I did have, from all that long-time condition, I did have scarring on my face. And that didn't go away until I went raw. Um, And so when my second child had asthma, ear infections, and allergies, and after the first three years trying to go the medical route, because as Margaret Mead says, it's easier to change your religion than to change your diet. I wasn't willing to make any further changes because it was just hard. I just wanted to eat what I was eating, and I felt like I was already a vegetarian, but I knew I needed to go further because my child wasn't doing well. So by the time he was age three and his asthma was getting worse, um, I knew I had to do more, and that's when I started green juicing and eating and transitioning my children and myself to a raw food diet and lifestyle. And my son healed from asthma and the chronic ear infections in about 10 to 11 months. Do you remember then how you learned about green juice? Was it Anne Wigmore's work? Um, With the green juices... I did, yeah, I did have some of Anne Wigmore's books, and um, I was reading about juices, not thing, not things like smoothies, but juicing. So I was doing juicing, and that was back in 1994. Yeah. And then, you know, giving them a lot of fruits and, and lots of veggies, and my kids loved it. They were ages three and five. And so we went from eating a lot of processed packaged food to eating all this whole plant food. And my kids loved it. They just loved it. And um, they were mostly raw. You know, I would say 90 to 100% raw for the next 10 years until they became teenagers. And so it was, um, then after that, I saw how powerful that was and, that's when I started writing my book, Creating Healthy Children, so that, which was a seven-year project. That was my next question. What made you want to share the information? Were people asking you all the time, or did you just feel that this was so life-changing, you wanted to get it out there? Yeah, at a certain point, like when my kids were younger, um, I would write here and there, but I didn't really find the time so much to write. Yeah. And um, I really wanted to just homeschool and be there for my children. So I didn't really find the time to do the kind of writing that I wanted to do about it. Yeah. Um, and then later, when my kids were teenagers and, and getting older, 
Then I had more time because they were finding more activities outside the home. And uh, that's when I really delved into the book and wrote a lot about the benefits of raw food and also other aspects of raising healthy children. Because I, you know, felt that the early attachment parenting principles were key to having healthy children for life. Yeah. Certainly breastfeeding and, um, and holding your baby and just being very, very present. And the skin-to-skin contact was one of the most important things. Yeah. And then I started researching it, and I was just, blown away by the wonderful research I was finding on skin-to-skin contact that children who have that early skin-to-skin, that it, um, it reduces the stress hormone cortisol and it increases the love hormone oxytocin. And that's what we want for our kids. We want lots of oxytocin, lots of love hormone. And then they feel right in the world. And, um, and so that was really powerful. And then um, there was also research on long-term skin-to-skin, like babies who are held, you know, most of the time when they're infants and through the first year especially, that they actually have um, higher IQs later on. Mm-hmm. There were some long-term studies of that. And so it just, you know, it just felt right. And at the very beginning, the mother is really, truly the most important person in the baby's life. And so the father is really there as a support for them. And and that really spoke to me. And I felt like you really needed to get that information out. And did you say you home educated as well? Yes. Yes, I homeschooled. My kids did go to school um, earlier. My daughter went up until the third grade, and my son only to kindergarten. And um, I don't know. I met a group of people who were. It's like one thing kind of led to the yeah. other. Yeah. I started doing the food and the attachment parenting, and then I found out about an attachment parenting group, and I started attending that, and I met other women who believed in attachment and long-time breastfeeding and skin-to-skin and being present for your child. And um, they were homeschooling their kids. And when my kids were in school, I just said, okay, I'm going to try this and see, especially because my younger child, he wanted to so badly. And did you love it? And um, he loved it, loved it. Both my kids just loved it so much because they got so much attention from me. And also being being in school, there were so many um, food rewards for doing things, taking tests. Like they would be rewarded with candy for getting a good grade on a test. Wow. At the end of every week, they would be given a pizza party if they did well that week. It just got to be quite overwhelming, and it contradicted the way that they were eating at home. And so tell me what was happening at school, and I would tell the teacher to let me know and that I would bring in food for them. But it got overwhelming. And so that was one reason for them coming out. The other reason was that I felt that they didn't have any decision-making power. Um, The teachers made all the decisions and never took them into consideration. And also sometimes when they did make a decision themselves, they got in trouble for it. So it was really beneficial for them to come home where they could make lots of decisions. They, we took them everywhere with us. And they, like if we went traveling somewhere, we let them plan the trip. Yeah. They learned so much social studies and history and math and reading about places. And then whatever they were interested in, we facilitated their learning through whatever 
made them happy. Yeah. My son loved trains. So we got him, um, even when he was young, he had like a little internship working for a model train engineer at a museum. Yeah. Like I cannot tell you how much wonderful learning that was. Yeah. And anytime, my husband is very multicultural from uh, Colombia. He's half Colombian and half Swiss. Uh -huh. So we would go back and forth to South America and to Europe. Yeah. And it was such a great learning experience, everything we did. So, you know, when our kids are really little, they learn by themselves before they go to school. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, we stop trusting them to learn what they need to know. Yeah. And I felt that by homeschooling them that they were able to take that on themselves. Initially, I was a little scared because I'm a speech and language therapist for 40 years. I mean, back then it was, you know, less time, but I was still many years of yeah. speech and language therapist and educator, and I was nervous about educating them, so I had all of these curriculums. But um, soon after, I realized that they learned much more yeah. when they chose topic. Yeah. They really learned more. Yeah. My boys did that as well. They call it self-managed learning. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you the question yeah. everyone asks me. I'm going to do it with the food thing as well. But I'll do it with home education now. So, you know, again, I had just a wonderful experience home educating. Uh, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough if people are considering it. But the question, when I say that I'm educated, everyone asks about the exams and did they go to university? So what 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 happened with your kids? How did they enter into the into the workplace? What was their journey? Um, well, what happened was, um, as we got more into the later schooling years, the high school years, um, my kids started to do more internships and volunteering outside of the house. Yeah. And because they were homeschooled for all those years, they had very clearly defined interests. So my daughter was always very interested in the environment and environmental activity. So she started to intern for environmental organizations. Um, and she was actually hired um, to work for one of the colleges to look into what solar power would do for the school. Wow. Um, and so she did that for almost a whole year. She did research on that for them. Yeah. So things like that that were very, very fascinating. Yeah. And my son was always um, very um, avid sports enthusiast and played every sport, was very athletic, loved reading about sports and talking about sports and watched very closely um, several sports commentators. And um, his later teenage years, he started going to a sports broadcasting camp. Wow. And with the top sports commentators in the country. Wow. Yeah, and um, at that camp, he learned, even before he went to college, he learned how to become a sports broadcaster. And then when he went to college, um, and both of my kids got scholarships to yeah, colleges yeah. because we did a portfolio. Yeah. We did homeschool portfolio for each one where we researched everything that they did, and we did this together as a family. Yeah. Put everything that they did together during all of those years and put it in a cover with pictures and all kinds of things. And then my son, when he worked at that sports broadcasting camp, he made his own DVDs of yeah. him sports broadcasting. And the colleges just went crazy for that. They just loved it. They said they had never seen anything like that before. And he got full scholarships. And did he end up being so, a sports broadcaster? Is that his occupation? Yeah. So that's what he majored in. He majored in sports journalism. Yeah. 
Um, but as a homeschool mom, I never told him like what he had to do. Yeah. I know that, you know, and, and some of my family was not necessarily happy that I didn't push him in a certain direction, but I just want my kids to be happy. Yeah. I think that's more important than anything. Um, my son was very active. He went to Penn State University. He was very active. Um, he actually, his advisor was the, the dean of the communications program. And he was encouraging my son to really stick with this and to go with it. And my son did try a bit after school, but then all of a sudden he wanted to travel. And he spend his time working for a while for Major League Baseball, and then he used the money from that job to travel. Yeah. And his trap just raised him to a whole nother level. He yeah. traveled for quite a while in South America by himself, yeah. and then to Asia by himself, and doing all kinds of wonderful things like a silent 10-day meditation. And I don't know, I just came to realize that we have to let our children grow in their own way. Yeah. And looking on it, I'm glad that he just did what he had to do. And right now, he's hiking the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and um, I was very concerned about that initially, but he's hiked like 1,500 miles already. Wow. And he's getting close. He's hiked from Georgia since the beginning of April to now he's in Connecticut and he's going up to Maine. So he only has like a month or two left. Yeah. And it's so empowering what he's doing in his life. Yeah. So I know that he wants to work now. And I think that all of this travel and learning about himself has been his experience. And we have to let our kids do what they need to do for themselves instead of always pushing them yeah. to do what we think they need to do. Yeah. That's part of the type of parenting as well. Yeah, so yeah. we're always parents of all ages. Yeah, and I think as well we have a different time frame now. So, you know, our children's lifespan is quite likely to be double what the average lifespan was a few generations ago. You know, we've raised healthy children. They should all be well live into their hundreds. So you can take much more time discovering yourself because if he doesn't work out actually what his real goal is until he's 40, he could still be doing that for the next 60, 70 years. So when, exactly. when, when you were kids, it was much more condensed, wasn't it? So you had to kind of know what you're doing because by the time you were 50 or 60, you'd kind of run out of life energy. Um, but, yeah, it's a whole different um, it's a whole different spectrum they've got now yeah. to play in isn't it it's a little different now <laughs> for sure yeah and just you know letting our kids really blossom um on their own the the one area though that i really did encourage and engage them in was with the raw food yeah i really did do that because i just from all my research and from what I've seen as far as health and healing in thousands of other people over the years, because I've been doing this now since 1994, yeah. that I see that life is good this way. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really what we want our children to be able to have. And I, I think I was definitely too hard on them when they were young. Um, there were cer certain point where they wanted to go out and explore more, and um, I threatened and I bribed, and I did everything trying to get them to stick with a raw food and um, and vegan lifestyle because I believe in it so yeah. strongly. Yeah. At a certain point, in order to have a relationship with my kids, I had to give up on that, or I would have destroyed my relationship with yeah. them. I, I interviewed GT Dave, you know Synergy Kombucha, you know Synergy Kombucha, and interviewed GT Dave recently, and he said that his parents raised him vegetarian, he was brought up in California, supposed to raise vegetarian, and at 10, 
they said to him he could go out and eat whatever he wanted. <laughs> I thought that was very brave of them, but it's it's putting what you were just saying into action. It's saying, well, the, you know, we've given you what we what we believe are the best foods. His parents gave him like whole foods and kombucha and all this stuff when he was a kid, but then at ten they were like, well, now you you now you can make your own choices. And yeah, I thought that was that was very trusting of them. <laughs> very trusting. Yeah, I have. There's another family who we were with a lot. And, um, you know, whenever her kids went out, she didn't pack food for them. Yeah. She just let them in her own home. Yeah. It was a vegan home. Right. Um, but outside the house, she just totally trusted them. Amazing. Um, I, think if I, back, I probably would send my food with them, but I would not have gotten so upset if they ate other foods. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I think at a certain point, it's a learning experience. Yeah. And I didn't want them to have that experience. And actually, by not wanting them to have that experience, I think I forced them um, to rebel more. Right, right. And, um, however, when I gave up on it, because I wanted to have my relationships with them, that was more important yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, I did give up on it. Then they gradually came back. Yeah. So that when they're young adults now, um, they are both they are both vegans, very proud vegans yeah. who believe in its importance not only for our health but for the planet and for the animals. Yeah. So they're very much raw in that way, and um, and you know these days they're still really healthy foods, but they don't eat the way that they ate growing up. Yeah the way that I looked at the ideal. Um, but I love them. I want them to be happy. And what I do know is that they have had a base of knowledge. Yeah. And that they always have that. Yeah. Ooh. And that they will take with them through their lives. Yeah. Why well, we say it's about developing a healthy relationship with food, isn't it? And that was, to me, that was the most important construct in my mind is I was educating my children around food and just having that that really good relationship with your food and then yeah everyone finds different things that suit them but that's the most important thing is that you love eating good food <laughs> yeah yeah and so both my kids know what's best and they love those foods yeah and when anybody asks them a question they pretty much recommend exactly what I would. Good, good. <laughs> so I feel, you know, I'm really proud of them and they're both doing wonderful things in the world. So it's all good. So tell us when they were little, what were their favorite things? What kind of things were you feeding them? What were the things you were really hot on including uh, into their raw diet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they love they love all kinds of fruit. They love greens. My kids, even at a young age, would just love their. They would relish their salads. Yeah. Just use salads and um, and they love green juices. Like the darker, the better. They'll love it. And that's because they were raised on fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, seed vegetables. Green juices, green smoothies, um, and uh, so they get all of those things today into their diets, also. Um, but they were, you know, they were raised this way, so it wasn't like an, a new thing to them. You know, when they went off um, for many years, they they didn't eat healthfully. It was very easy for them to come back. They they both need. Uh, they both had experiences where they didn't feel well. Right. When they away from from the raw food lifestyle. Yeah. Did you? Were um, any so now they're back. Were there any supplements that you gave them when they were little? Um, I did give them B twelve. Uh -huh. um, we were outdoors a lot, so I really did not give them vitamin D uh -huh. because we were outdoors every day and we do a lot of hiking and um we did have their blood work done at one point and they seem to be pretty good there 
and in most areas um, when they were older. Um, I did sometimes give them like some green powders. Yeah. Like especially if we were away traveling and I felt like we weren't eating the best foods. I would bring a green powder. I remember Vitamineral Green. Yeah. We used to do that. Um, but I really didn't do too much in the supplementation area. Um, just because I have a local farmer right nearby. And he also does wild foraging. Wow. Um, and sometimes do wild foraging. So I'd be using things that were just such powerful nutrient-dense foods that we'd be putting into our smoothies. Um, you know, we'd be getting, like, uh, lamb's quarter and sorrel, and, um, and then we were sprouting. And my son grows his own sunflower greens, and uh, we grow our own broccoli sprouts. And, you know, so we're eating all of this really great nutrient-dense food. Um, and, I mean, I, I feel really, really good energy from this food as I'm getting older. And, um, you know, if I had any problems and I felt like I needed to take supplements, I... I would if I felt, you know, I would get the best whole foods kinds of superfoods or supplements that I thought would benefit me. Um, but I did my blood work. It looked really good. Um, I know sometimes they say that blood work can change from one day to the next, that it's not always that consistent. But the times that I've had it done, it's been good. I was a little low in vitamin B12. Uh -huh. So I, I do supplement with vitamin B12 with the methylcobalamin uh -huh. form. And um, that's like the main thing. I think there was a time period where it was very gray in the area where I live. We weren't getting much in the way of sunlight. And I really felt like I was being quite deprived of vitamin D. So I did do a little supplementation for a while. But now I do a raw food retreat in Costa Rica in February and it takes me like I get quite a bit of vitamin D here until December yeah. and then December, January, not very much. And then I go away in yeah. February and I did check my vitamin D when I came back and I hadn't supplemented for months, yeah. but I did get sun every day in Costa Rica, not too far from the equator yeah. and my vitamin D is quite good. So if I go away to a sunny place in the winter, yeah. I be good with the vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. I do say that to people. It sounds facetious, but I do think that's the best way to get your vitamin D is take a winter sun holiday. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. And I always recommend that to people. The other way um, that most people aren't aware of is that they could also, if they can't get away and they don't want to take the supplement, yeah. they could go to a tanning salon uh -huh. and just go in a few times a week. There's yeah. packages that they offer. Yeah. You could get like 9 or 10 for like $50 or yeah. something like that, I know, in the U.S., um, and then you go into a, um, a high pressure tanning room yeah. and you just go in five minutes. You yeah. take off all your clothes and just go in for five minutes yeah. each time. Yeah. And you're getting enough vitamin D from that. I had no idea, but a naturopathic doctor told me that. Yeah. And so my son actually did that for a while. Okay. So that's just another another way that's you know a little different, but I think that some people aren't aware that that's um, a way that you could get vitamin yeah. D in the winter okay. time. So how long have you yourself been vegan now? I've been vegan for twenty eight years. Wow, amazing. Uh, I've been raw vegan since nineteen ninety four, so I think that's like twenty three years. Amazing. And um, I've been vegetarian for like 44 years. Um, but I really, 
Like that, those vegetarian years were very, very unhealthy years. So I think I was definitely helping the animals and the planet by not eating meat and fish and turkey and not eating any animals, but, um, but still eating dairy and eggs and lots of processed junk food really, I think, took a great toll on me in those earlier years of my life. And I think that's why my, my first child got sick frequently, but she wasn't as ill as my second child was almost right away when he was born. Yeah. And I was able to heal him just by going to vegan and raw vegan. It was just very impressive to me. I'm going to ask you another question that people always ask me is that don't you miss other foods? Aren't you ever tempted? <laughs> you know what? I am never tempted because over the years, first of all, I've learned how to make a lot of delicious creative foods as I see that you have also. You go around and teach that. Yeah. Um, and I teach that as well, and it's something that I love. I love creating delicious, easy recipes that people can get into their daily lives right away. Uh-huh. So in New Jersey, I do like a five-week raw food group coaching program, and I, I work with people privately to help them to transition, and it's just been so successful. I have people coming in who just, you know, some people who just want to get fit and lose weight and other people who come in really needing to get healthy, who come in with cancer or autoimmune conditions and they just want to get healthy. And and raw food is beneficial. It's beneficial for everybody. What are some of your favorite recipes if you're going to make a dinner for someone or if you were going to, like treat yourself to a special special meal what's what's your favorite things to make and eat okay one of my very favorite things is my romaine burritos Uh and that's where i use the romaine lettuce leaf as a tortilla Uh and i make a walnut taco filling yeah so it's one pot meal no pots but i'm just using one (laughs) piece of equipment food processor yeah and i walnuts and um, fresh cilantro and sun-dried, soaked sun-dried tomatoes and um, chopped scallion and paprika and cumin and lemon. And I blend that all up in the food processor until it's like a ground, chunky, meaty nut And I spread that. That really reminds me of, I used to love Mexican food. Yeah. And it just reminds me of this very satiating, um, everybody loves it. I go out and do demos and like even like big bodybuilder guys love it. Yeah. It's just really satisfying. And I'll make a salsa to put on top of it with tomato and, Uh um, and a little bit of garlic and lime and um, and I'll just layer that on the top of that, and I'll put some, like, sliced tomato, and they look beautiful, yeah. and they're just super, super yummy. So that I'll have with a big salad. It makes, like, for a very filling, filling meal, doing something like that. Can you share the recipe with us? Can I have it on the – put it on the interview? Sure. <laughs> Be happy to share that. And it's also, um, I have a recipe book, which is called Raw Vegan Recipe Fun for Families. And in that recipe book as well, there's lots of great recipes in that book. Yeah. Um, Simple and easy. What about desserts? What's your favorite dessert? My favorite dessert... Oh, gosh, I have so many. Um, One of my really favorite desserts is my blueberry pudding pie. Yeah. Um, And I do have that on my YouTube channel, and I can give you the link to that so that if people want the recipe. Yeah. It's 
just um, I slice bananas, like five or six bananas, into a pie plate. Yeah. So the sliced banana is the filling. Uh-huh. And there's no crust, but the covering of the of the pie is really what makes it. Yeah. And the covering is just frozen or fresh blueberries, like a whole pint. Yeah. Blend up with some uh, dates. Uh-huh. If they're soft, like sometimes medjool dates are, then yeah. probably about eight dates. Yeah. And if they're small dates, you probably need about ten that are soaked yeah. to get, you know, to be soft and blend it up with the blueberries, pour it on top of all the sliced bananas, and then sprinkle shredded coconut all over the top. You put it in the refrigerator for at least four hours. Because of the pectin in the the blueberries, Uh the whole topping of the pie, it solidifies and becomes a gel over the bananas. And it makes a great presentation. It takes five minutes to make. And it's just super easy for people who are busy and don't like to prepare food for that long. Really simple ingredients as well. Everyone can get easily. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So what about your husband? What about your husband? Obviously Mm -hmm. he's been supportive in all this. Does he eat the same way as you? Um, well, when the kids were young, it was, um, it was difficult, um, because he really didn't want to change the diet at home. And I was really glad that I did when my kids were young because my son healed from asthma, chronic ear infections and multiple allergies in like 10 to 11 months. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened any other way. Yeah. Um, but my husband was not supportive of that. He saw it happening. He saw this dramatic change, but um, it was it was difficult for him to make the changes. Yeah. And I wasn't asking him to make the changes outside of the house, only inside the house. Uh-huh. But it was still hard for him. Um, now, though, many years later, he realizes the benefits. Yeah. He eats a lot of raw food. Um, he's been vegetarian now for about tw- over 20 years. Yeah, amazing. He heard, um, he heard a speaker. Uh, he used to always come with me to everything. He's, he likes to tag along. <laughs> so he wasn't going to go to vegetarian or vegan because of me. It was going to have to be because he really believed in it, not because of something that I said. Yeah. yeah. So he used to come with me, and he heard Howard Lyman speak. Uh-huh. A cattle rancher, an ex-cattle rancher from Montana, and it really spoke to my husband on on a very deep level. Yeah. And at point, he became a vegetarian, and now just recently, he's becoming a vegan. So this guy was speaking on like how the animals are treated. Yes. Yes, and he he goes into stories about living through that, being a cattle rancher and killing the cows Mm. and what he experienced and what he saw. And it was, um, it it spoke to my my husband on a level I had never been able to to give to him. And he, um, and and he never wanted to eat meat again. Um, and now just recently, for many years, he felt like dairy was okay, even though I told him that it was much crueler than eating meat and that he should really think about what he was putting in his mouth. Yeah. And I told him, I'm, I love you and I am not going to tell you all the time, but you know, this is just how I feel. Yeah. And he, um, very recently Somebody was talking about um, how the cows have to constantly be impregnated uh, over and over again. And he never realized that. And I thought that with the information I gave him that that was evident. But he didn't feel that it was evident. And he is 
now really like we recently went to a party where they were serving a lasagna that had very thick cheese on the top. My husband would have loved to <laughs> in that, but he looked at it and he actually told me that it made him feel sick seeing all that cheese from those impregnated cows on that lasagna. So he's understanding. I think, I think each person comes to it in their own time. Yeah. And some people are just not um, educated on it. They may not come to it. So it's just really important to get out and and to just be good educators. Yeah. There was a thing this week. It didn't get much media. But there was a thing where a vegan company in the UK had made an advertisement. And they'd said that dairy product, dairy farming was inhumane. And then some people from the dairy industry had challenged it through the Advertising Standards Authority and said, you know, this is this is libel, this is slander, you can't call us inhumane. And a judge looked at it and they, they looked at all the facts and they were like, no, we agree with the vegans. This is an inhumane industry. That's like, that's massive. I mean, obviously they didn't put that in the main that media. Is but yeah, I'll send you the link. Uh. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes, yes. They were talking about how the when you remove the... When you is remove, making good progress. Yeah, they were talking about how when they remove the calves from the mothers and how the calves are screaming and crying. And, yeah, they ruled that you couldn't call that inhumane if, you know, because that's what happens is, yeah, the cows get... The little baby calves get so upset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's a very, very cruel industry. And the more that people, you know, we're just fortunate in many ways that people are now watching a lot on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've seen really what's going on. And so more and more people are, are opening up their eyes and, and wanting to know. Yeah, yeah. So we've covered. And there's also a lot of research. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of research out there that is hidden that is not shown in the, um, you know, the media and the schools. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a monopoly by the dairy and the meat yeah. industries. Yeah. Yeah. So people are not exposed to the research in a lot of the medical journals, yeah. which is for plant-based diets. Yeah, yeah, and pharmaceuticals, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have information about the benefits of raw vegan diets yeah. even from like the British Medical Journal. Yeah. The journal the pediatric journal. Yeah. Um Journal of Nutrition. I mean it's clear that vegan and raw vegan diets are beneficial for all functioning of the of the body. Yeah. And they prevent colon cancer and you know all the cancers and heart problems and you know, and I think that if people look at the real science that's out there, you know, you can't debate the benefits. Yeah, yeah. It, that leads of going with a loaded with fiber and that doesn't have all that cholesterol and saturated fat, it just makes perfect sense. Yeah. It leads me on to my next question, actually, really nicely. Thank you. Um, because because I think our, our um, belief systems around raising kids are really more or less the same you know everything we've talked about the importance of diet the importance of attachment parenting homeschooling um but there's other one issue which i think is really important which is very controversial i don't know if you wanted to speak on vaccines if you had your children vaccinated at all what you what you feel about the vaccine industry yeah i mean i did have my daughter vaccinated um she had the first three series of DPTs and oral polio. Uh -huh. um, my daughter reacted all three times. Her leg blew up into like a rock and she screamed with a red face for three days. She was in terrible pain and something was definitely wrong. Very, very wrong. And I went back each time to the pediatrician and I told them, this is not good. This is not normal. And they told me that that was a common reaction and that it was normal. Yeah. So I kept changing the doctor instead of 
looking into why this was happening, I changed the doctor. And finally, after the third time that this happened, I got very scared. Yeah. And I did not agree with the doctor anymore. And that's when I started to research and I found um, a, an organization in New York City called Anti-Vac. Yeah. And I became part of that group, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. But um, it was a group of parents who got together with a woman who was teaching about the research of vaccines yeah. and what's actually in the vaccines. And when I found out the vaccine ingredients, I was absolutely horrified. Yeah. Because when I had asked pediatricians what was in the vaccines, they told me that they didn't know, but that we were supposed to give them and that it was good for our kids. They didn't even know. Yeah. And so... I educated myself. I stopped vaccinating my daughter right before the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine. And there's recent research in a couple of books that I've looked at that report that children who have had severe reactions to the first series of vaccines and then have the MMR vaccine are very likely to bring them over to the autism spectrum. And so I feel actually like with both of my kids, that like with my daughter, because she had severe reactions to the vaccines, and with my son, because he had an autoimmune condition of asthma, chronic ear infections, and allergies, which is also a risk factor for autism, that if I had vaccinated either, well, my son was never vaccinated. My daughter was, but we stopped before the MMR. So I feel like I very well could have saved both of them without knowing it at the time. Because they both were risk factors there. And if I had continued with the MMR, which is a triple, very triple potent vaccine, it, it could have, you know, it could have done that. And I have worked with families of children on the autism spectrum who have told me that like right after the MMR, all of the speech and all of the skills that their child had just totally changed that they didn't have them anymore or after the hepatitis B or, you know, it's a number of different vaccines that parents have told me, but very often it's the MMR. So, yeah, so I have, um, I'm writing a third book now about nutrition for autism. Oh, amazing. Um, I've, just, I've just finished my book proposal and um, have sent it into a couple of publishers. And um, I do have information about vaccines in there as well. Good. And, um, and there was a wonderful documentary recently online called The Truth About Vaccines. Uh-huh. And there were many medical doctors who were speaking on that summit as well highly respectable people and so uh, I was really lucky to be in New York when they had um, vaxxed on at the Tribeca so I saw vaxxed when it had just come out and that's really I can see why they wouldn't let it out because it's so powerful yeah I went to see it then also and Dr. Andrew Wakefield was there same he was only there one day it must have been the same day yeah 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 and it was a very packed very um very busy yeah and i was very glad that i heard about it and got to go and see it it was right before the tribeca film festival actually took it out of the film festival so yeah i hope that more people get to see that movie and here, the documentary, The Truth About Vaccines, they've done a great job with just exposing people to what can happen. And what I see happening to people also is that um, after getting all of the vaccines, even for those children who don't have immediate reactions or who don't get autism, that later on it can result in all the cancers that we're seeing today in young adults. Yeah. You know, we are seeing things like, you know, leukemia m- much more than, than we did when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really believe, you know, when I was growing up, there were like 23 vaccines by the time I was 18. 
Now it's something like 69 vaccines by that age. And then all these booster shots. Yeah, it's something that we need to know. And I think there's a lot of money involved in all of these, you know, as, as well as the, the, the meat industry, the vaccine industry with all of its pharmaceuticals and, and all of the doctors linked with it. I think it's, there's so much information now. There's a wonderful book called vaccine epidemic uh-huh. by Louise Habakis. Uh-huh. Excellent book. So last thing then before we go, do you want to just tell us a little bit about more about Costa Rica, what you do in Costa Rica, if people are tempted to join you? Yes, um, it's called the Love Raw Food and Yoga Retreat. Uh-huh. It's at February, it's um, on the Pacific Coast, uh-huh. um, and we're up in the mountains, about a half an hour from the Pacific Ocean. It's absolutely breathtaking. Um, it's not like a rustic retreat. You have beautiful cabins there. It's in a beautiful place called Finca de Vida, the farm of life. Yeah. And it's just absolutely breathtaking. I just, people come there and they just don't want to leave. It's just so beautiful. And uh, we have a top raw food chef on staff. Um, I also prepare some food. My daughter, my 29-year-old daughter, Gabriella, she comes from Colorado to be with us. She's a raw food chef. And so we prepare delicious food. There's a wonderful yoga teacher on staff who can teach yoga on all levels. Um, we do Qigong, musical dance. Um, we, get sal- we get salsa classes. Uh, we take daily adventures to the most beautiful waterfalls and beaches. And we just do great, great adventures. We're going to a wonderful animal sanctuary where animals are free. And um, every day it's a choice of, of what we're doing. And then we have discussions about raw foods and raw food demos lots of demos to get great recipes and they have a um, non-chlorinated natural pool that people can use at any time. And we're like right in the middle of primary tropical rainforest. So we're just surrounded by everything lush. And this was like the most organized retreat that I could find this retreat center. They, the people who run it are also um, very much involved in the raw food community and teaching and, um, and they're very much a part of our program. So it's, how do people find out? And it right? includes everything. So people who are interested could go to my website, which is superhealthychildren.com. Uh-huh. And there's a retreat link at the top and they would just Google, you know, scroll down and see all of the different things that we do and the food. And then, um, down below is the different cabins and the prices and the price of the cabin includes the entire retreat. It includes the entire week of activities and food. And it's somewhere from like, 1600 to early 1900s Um, and that includes everything including all the travel within Costa Rica and um, the only thing it doesn't include is the flight and so I think it's think it's well worth it we're gonna we're gonna post your walnut taco burrito recipe and we'll post links to the website and um, and your book. Can they find your book through your website as well, the Super Healthy Children book? My books are on my website, both uh, Creating Healthy Children, which has like, you know, seven years of work. And I believe it has so much of what parents need to know before they even have kids. But even if parents have kids... You can always learn and always include attachment parenting at any age. 
So it, it's just the whole thing is very beneficial. And then the other book is just recipes, I think what's raw really, vegan recipes for families. What's really interesting about this stuff is, you know, both you've been parenting, obviously your children a little bit older than mine, but when we were interested in this, it seemed really important then when our children are little, but actually in the past sort of 20, 30 years, it's become even more important, I think. It's one of those things that hasn't dated. It's become even more relevant and even more valuable. This information is even more valuable to people now than it ever was, isn't it? Definitely. Um, as much as some people said, oh, you know, raw food isn't as popular anymore, I don't see that. I see people, um, I see it growing. I see it having a rippling effect. Um, I see people coming in and out of my program saying, wow, I wish I knew this many years ago. Um, I think that the word about it is spreading. I think people want to know how to reduce the meat and the animal food and get more plant foods in from whatever path they're now following. Mm -hmm. It's about getting it in because as you get it in, other things fall off and, um, and, and, Almost everybody who's who I've spoken with has told me that they feel amazing once they get a lot of raw food in, whole food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Karen. It's been really, really wonderful to speak with you. Yeah. It's been great to speak with you, too, and I'm glad we had time to do our interview again.